Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. Hey, everyone. It's the bye week for Penn State football, but the Blue White Breakdown podcast just won't quit, even with the Lions off this week. Bob Flounders here with Dave Jones. We're going to talk, obviously, Dave, we're going to talk a little bit about the Iowa game because I just think that Penn State fans are still probably a little annoyed about that result. But we also we also want to big picture it. And, you know, we're, we're at the bye. They have a challenging six-game schedule left that who knows how it could play out. We'll talk a little bit about Sean Clifford. Uh, but let's just start, Dave, with how you're doing. And kind of I know you have some thoughts about what transpired in Iowa. I think I need to explain. I, I meant to explain this before the game, but I never did, that I was not in Iowa City for this game, which is only like the third game I've ever second, third game I've ever missed, not including COVID, which was a whole different situation. Uh, but this was COVID related. My wife is in, it works at Penn hospitals in Philadelphia. She hadn't gotten her booster yet. And she had her first shot in January. So she was like at the eight month threshold. And when I was asked back in June, uh, how I felt about certain trips, I said, well, if, if there's one that maybe I shouldn't do it's it's Iowa because I'm not sure if she's, she's going to have her booster yet. And it turned out she got her, <laughs> her booster. So I could have gone, but I didn't know that in June. So that's, that's why I wasn't there. First thing I want to ask you, and I haven't asked you yet is what did you think of the crowd from, from TV? It reminded me of West Virginia in the old days, yeah. you know, and Mountaineer field, just kind of nasty and not what you expect of an Iowa crowd. Usually I've been to Iowa a lot of time right. and it's more like Nebraska. You know, it's, right. it's nice, friendly uh, right. country people who are right. good hosts. And this did not sound like that at all. Did it sound like that in the press box? It didn't. And I think I have, I can explain part of the reason why they were extraordinary. Well, you know, it's not a fast-paced offense, man. No, but they, I mean, they, let me just say this. So this is why I'm laughing. Uh, I was talking to some people out in Iowa, and I, I think I have this right. Alcohol is it sales. alcohol? Yeah. Alcohol okay. sales. Two at yeah. a time. Greg Pickle, who used to work at Penn Live, uh, was in the press box next to me. And he was talking because he went out to the stadium, and he was he was doing some video work. 
for Blue White Illustrated. I think he wanted to get some some tape of the Children's Hospital and the Wave. So he was moving around the stadium. He said at one point he noticed at the beer stand, people were getting you're allowed to get get them two at a time. And the line was so long, people would buy two and they would get back in line to get two more. <laughs> and it was just like a gigantic circle. All right. All right. Well that so I, they, they were they were they were fired up maybe a little bit more than normal <laughs> for Iowa fans. But I just I don't know if the Penn State fans were aware of that, but they were taking advantage of the alcohol, the new All alcohol right. policy at Kid All right. Well then that makes me feel better about Iowans because you and I both know that could if they had alcohol sales at Penn State, <laughs> yes. the same damn thing would happen. For yeah, that. it was Absolutely. funny. That does explain a lot. I did hear that yesterday from somebody who was yeah. there. They were getting after it. <laughs> it sounded like, yeah. I mean, there was a bar. This was way before your time. And I was riding back with our old sports editor, Nick Horvath and Ronnie Christ. And it's like 1991. I think it was my first year seriously on the beat. And there was this place on, it was like 1115, almost home. Almost home. But if, if if anyone knows our old sports editor, Nick Horvath, he could have appetite at any <laughs> point. I wanted to kill him, but I'm in, I'm in no position. I've only You're been in no position in a year and a half. And I want to kill him for stopping. But he tells Ronnie to stop at this place. Uh, and, and, and it's it's almost to the 322 uh, entrance, but not quite on 1115. And yeah. the bars were just getting out at this place. And. We walked in and it was like the bar from Star Wars and we sat down and that was the noise. I was like, that that was the noise I was hearing from that Iowa crowd. And I was like, Nick, I I looked across at him. I said, we got to get out of here. He goes, "Okay," (laughs) And we got up and and left. It was was an electric atmosphere. And I would say this, um, watching how the game played out, if I was going to award game balls to the Iowa side, the punter for Iowa would get my first game ball. The crowd, the entire crowd would get my, my second game ball. And that Iowa secondary would get my third game ball. They intercepted four passes. Anytime there was a, a jump ball in the air, man, those guys tracked that wait, ball. Wait and, a minute. It, yeah. you, you've got it all wrong. I, I mean, don't have it all wrong. The, the first game ball goes to one man and one man only the man who knocks Sean Clifford out of the game, Jack Campbell. Yeah. Cause if that doesn't happen, none of the rest happens. And you got to admit I'm right. You just, well, I would know, but Dave, I said the way the game played out. So what I'm yeah. saying is when it's 17 to three, the only way they were going to get back in that game, even with Taquan Roberson in it was the guys that I, that I listened. Now. Yeah. You're right about Campbell uh, watching that hit over and over you know, he, you know, Sean struggled to get up. He's been taking, he's taken some shots all year, but I did not feel as he got up and on his feet, I did not, I just never got the sense that that was going to be the hit. Now I'm not a doctor. That was going to be the hit that, that ended his day. It was just, I'm just, I'm just struggling to figure out what that issue was. I'm sure it was significant for him not to return to the game, but it, it's just, it, I did not feel like watching the hit, watching him get up that that was going to be the end of well, his game. Well, when you when you throw a ball and you get your ribs exposed like that, even when I was a young man getting hit like that playing basketball or I don't think I ever got that playing football, but when when you have your arm exposed and you're hit under here 
he got hit like that twice. That wasn't the first time he got hit. I believe it was Van Valkenburg. I think it was Van Valkenburg right. on his heave into the end zone. If you watch that, he hit him right in the same yeah. place. So maybe it was an accumulation yeah. of blows. I don't know. But well, it, it hurts later, and it hurts in an accumulation, kind of like right. boxing. You get right. hit a couple times there, man. It starts to hurt like hell. Dave, that, that's certainly possible. But the reason why I'm still flummoxed about this is who knows what happened when he get he went into the tent, went into the locker room, came out with his pads on. Dave, no ice on anywhere. No, no nothing is taped. He is not looking uncomfortable in any way, shape, or form in terms of maybe absorbing a because if you hurt your ribs, I have not had a rib injury. I've heard I've heard, man, it is it is so painful that you you just can't you can't do enough to numb that pain. So I just he never looked like he was in discomfort. Well, he probably was shot up, don't you think? Yeah. It did look like he was wrapped underneath his T-shirt to me. It did? Yes. yes. Yeah. I just didn't. Usually you see some ice go with that or something. And I just, he didn't, you know, you could be right. But I just, I just feel like if that was the case, there would have been more clues. I just, you, maybe, you, maybe you're seeing it the right way. And maybe we'll know soon enough. But well, You know, you know. Uh, this is part of the problem of James Franklin's super secrecy on injuries, <laughs> because yeah. then you get speculation. Then you get dopes like us who who have to yeah. try to decipher and read Figure the it tea out. leaves. It's it's not like he has to say, "Oh, he's going to be back." He's not going to be back for certain games. Yeah, and it's pretty clear where he got hit. There's nothing he's going to disclose that any yeah. anybody's not going to know. I just don't see the point in it, but that's yeah. what he does. So that's what he right. does. Yeah. Anything? What else struck you about that Iowa game? I know you have some thoughts, and I know you, you, you that go. that that Penn State absolutely wins that game yes. if Clifford is not knocked out. I mean, yes. I I picked Iowa specifically because I thought Clifford might do the thing that he did in the on the very first possession, yeah. which was throw force a throw that he didn't need to throw because he's just a little more flamboyant than Spencer Petrus. Spencer Petrus, whatever you want to say about him, and you, you're not a fan, I know, I know. But sometimes when you have a kid who is more amenable to being a game manager, yes. it's a good thing in a game like that. I thought he was much more amenable to, to, to that role than yeah. maybe Sean Clifford was. But to Sean Clifford's credit, he shook that off. He got some help from his defense who saved him. Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah, he did. Right, yeah. right there. And he got right back on his feet and played a great next 20 minutes or whatever it was. Mike Yersich had that defense figured out. They were making him play in big space. And they didn't have any answers with their first four. You know, people are on yeah. Penn State's offensive line. Hey, at that point in the game, they were blocking that basic four very easily. Mm-hmm. There was no answer for Phil Parker other than to run an extra blitzer at, at him, which is what they did and which ultimately got Clifford out of the game. If yeah. they don't get Clifford out of the game, I think that's a two or three touchdown game possibly. Yeah. Yes. And Dave, I heard a little feedback not deserved about, you know, Sean could have came back. Like fans, listen, man. 
Sean Clifford is a tough guy. He is a tough guy. Since he started at Penn State, you go back to that 2019 season when they ran him like 160 times. Yeah, he had to leave the Ohio State game. He didn't play against Rutgers. He was never the same from an injury. But the amount of punishment that that kid can take and keep getting up, the fact that he couldn't play tells me that it was it was it was a absolutely a significant injury and there was no chance he might have just been ruled out by the doctors. But what I'm getting at, Dave, is I just wish he doesn't always have to be that tough. I just you look at all the unnecessary hits he's taken over his career, holding on to the ball, waiting for the last second for a play to come open. I would say even on that that play that when Campbell hit him, you know, Campbell, Campbell had a nice running start to get at, at Clifford. He was pretty far back in the pocket. And I, Sean clearly, I think, saw him coming. He held on to the ball to the last possible second, I thought. And to your point, where there were situations where Petrus, the minute he felt pressure, especially early in the game, he threw it into the stands, lived to play another day. I just think that sometimes Sean's greatest strength in terms of toughness, holding on to the ball, try and make a play. You know, over the over the time that he's been the quarterback, I, I think it's 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 been like a, a war of attrition, and I think it got him this time. Yeah, and and if you have to try to speculate, which we do, we don't know. We don't know. Right. I I would guess maybe they suspected a a cracked rib, or they didn't know, but they they thought maybe they shot him up and waited until they get an MRI because you can't do it. I don't think you can do it with an MRI in the stadium. You don't you don't know what's in there. So discretion being the, the better part of valor, they held him out. That's the problem is that he becomes he's kind of a swashbuckler. You know, he's the, the, the gunslinger wants to be Brett Favre. Well, there's a price to be paid for being Brett Favre. And he, it wasn't just Sean Clifford who had to pay it. It was it was Penn State. That's what I was talking about before the game. And, and that, that hit, you're talking about a 6'5", 250-pound guy. That kid's going to be Jack Lambert in the NFL, isn't he? And he's, he's uh, like a redshirt sophomore. He's, he's a good player. I think he absolutely is an NFL player. Um, and his, he's got a wingspan of like a 7'5 guy. Like he's just – he made some plays in last year's game. He's clearly – he is a guy that can play the run or the pass because of his, his – he's an athletic big man who can move. You know, he's not quite as tall, but I was in the press box. I was like, you know – it's a little like it's a little like Ted Hendricks, the Mad Stork, who was like yeah, six yeah, eight, yeah, and he yeah. was a stand up outside linebacker. But that's the body type you're, you're talking about. And when something that big hits you with that kind of force that fast, you know it might not look like much on TV. It that that hurts, and yeah. that has an accumulating effect. Correct. If, if you did, if you do get anything in there, yeah. it's going to feel worse and worse as the game yeah. goes on. Yeah. Uh, maybe he thought he could go back to the locker room and then then strap yeah. it on and get back at it. They, they were they stopped him or he's he couldn't breathe. Who knows what happened in there? Right. It's not just the initial hit that he lands on you. You know what I mean? It's like you hit the yeah. ground. There's the force of it. You hit the ground and then he falls on top of you. Right. Right. So it's actually it's, almost two different hits. It always is two different hits. And you 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 also have the the threat of a concussion, which I'm not sure he did on that hit. But yeah. but when you hit the ground, then your head does that. And that's that's how you get. You don't right. have to be hit in the head to get concussive symptoms. So 
Anyway, all anyone is wondering is when he's going to be back because Taquan Roberson clearly was not ready for that moment. We feared it. I've been saying all year, Clifford cannot get hurt because they don't have Will Levis back there anymore. And what I wrote after the game is this game is really all about the transfer portal and where we are with the way kids can transfer. And I, I applaud it. I like the rule. I like their mobility. I like that, that that they have the ability to go and play where they can play. But nobody transfers to be a backup anymore. Mm-hmm. And I use the, the the case of Anthony Russo from Temple, right. who I think thought he could start at Michigan State. He thought he could start in front of Peyton Thorne, and that's why he transferred to Michigan State. But Thorne beat him out. I think that's been vindicated. And yet... They have a good, viable, experienced backup quarterback now at Michigan State. Um, There are other situations, for instance, Michigan. Cade McNamara is the starter, but uh, Sharkface is bringing in J.J. McCarthy. (laughs) That's Jim Harbaugh, right? Yep. He's bringing in J.J. McCarthy, and rightly so. And Josh Gaddis, they're bringing him in and getting him run the best they can because he's really talented and they might need him down the road. There are several cases where people either got really good freshmen or they got people out of the transfer portal and Penn State didn't either. And now they're really paying for it because to me, Taquan Roberson, God bless him. He was put in a really tough situation, but he's more of a number three quarterback, man. He just is because he cannot throw the ball accurately at this point. There's also the, the problem you have with it, 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 it's maybe been it's been decades since number twos or number threes got any reps with the first team with the ones. It just doesn't happen. It's not deemed efficient time maintenance and practice. Uh, when they used to be able to practice forever. They can't do that anymore. They haven't been able to do that for a long time. So you, you practice your ones with the ones and that's that. So he hasn't even practiced with these guys. He's expected to meld in. It's a situation where, where the sound is deafening. He's got to run a read option offense with a shotgun. It's not like he can go under center. I mean, if he was, if he was Thomas Lott or something in the old days, maybe they could run triple option and he could go under center. But, but he has been trained in the shotgun, and that's what he knows. You couldn't put him under center. There was really no answer to that situation in the din of Kinnick, was there? I mean, I don't know. I don't know what they do. And as, as bad as it went for Penn State's offense, three points with him uh, running the show, a lot of empty possessions. Had Penn State's tight ends held on to some passes, it could have changed some things in terms of field position at the very least. The crowd noise was, you are right, the crowd, the crowd noise was deafening. And that, that punter had Penn State backed up. So, and you, when you're backed up in the end zone, it's almost magnified by a factor of three or four. They could not get to the middle of the field where you're kind of away a little bit from the crowd noise. And it might be a little bit easier to communicate with your offensive line and your receivers. If you want to do some things, if you want to, cause you could just tell when they were backed up, um, everyone wants to yell at the offensive line for those three consecutive false starts. I just don't think they could hear anything. I don't think they could hear Roberson. I don't think Miranda could hear Roberson. Listening to Taquan talk after the game, I applaud him for coming out uh, and answered some questions. He didn't elaborate on a lot of things, but he stood there, asked everything, handled himself very well. 
but he is he is a soft spoken guy, Dave. He does he is not a guy that his voice carries. And I'm just wondering on the field if it's the same way, because I don't think Penn State's offensive lineman could hear him. You heard, you saw him try and clap his hands. Well, that wasn't working either because it was so loud when they were backed up. And when you see three consecutive false starts, I'm not sure you want to, I don't, I don't think you want to point the finger at the offensive line. It was just, it was a mess all the way around. Yeah. And I I think maybe the one valid criticism is that they didn't go to a silent count, which a lot of teams go to in situations where they know they're facing a, a real din on the road that they didn't go to that earlier. It didn't look like they went to it until sometime in the fourth quarter. And it was clearly a problem before that. If the people, fans who don't know a silent count is, is basically where they, they, they start with a tap from the guard onto the center or maybe a head nod. Yeah. And, and everyone in unison, every, all the people on the, all the offensive starters go one, two, and then they, they're ready to move. They didn't do that until like it. In middle of the fourth quarter, maybe I'm, I'm, I might be wrong, but I didn't notice it until then. So yeah. that might be the one valid criticism. But you got a lot of moving parts going on in a short amount of time, and they couldn't quite get anything right. I think what people don't understand is that Taquan Robinson is trained in in read option offense. I mean, if if they were able to do scissors option plays, run him through the A gap, he was getting getting the yardage on some of those. And I think it was the second possession of the second half. They were pretty effective. What did they move? Like 40 yards, got the field goal. He took the sack, the 11-yard sack at the end. But uh, they still got the field, 44-yard field goal from Stout, I think it was. It looked like, well, you know, how many points they need here? They could maybe three or six more closes this out. But the, the, the problems with hearing the count just scuttled all that. And they couldn't run the offense that Roberson knows how to run. You can't put a read option quarterback under center. It doesn't work. You can put a triple option, service academies type quarterback under center but but the geometry of the offense does not work with read option you you can't be under center it just it, it's not what he's trained in so you can't do that it's not an option watching that first series uh and the, once the crowd saw what was happening right away that just emboldened them man. They, they knew that they could make life that miserable for Penn state. And the crowd just got louder and louder yeah. and louder. The drinking helped. Sure. But they, I think they, saw, <laughs> I think they saw right away that they were going to have a huge impact on the game. Kudos to them. They did it. Uh, both kickers were tremendous. Both defenses were tremendous before we look Dave at the, se- the second half schedule real quick. I just want to talk briefly, man, the Penn State Penn State's defense played its ass off, like played its ass off. I've I've said a couple of times on this Blue White Breakdown podcast, this is the closest thing I have seen to the 2005 defense. And I'm telling you, Dave, with the talent they have on the on this defense, they are right there. They played a winning game. Jordan Stout was great. It's unfortunate that I was able to scheme up that big pass play at the end of the, uh, you know, towards with six minutes to go. It was a, it was a brilliant design. Petras had enough time. He made a great throw, but I, I was thinking at that time, I don't know that I was going to be able to drive the ball. Right. Right. You didn't, defense. I did you not didn't know. And that's yeah. the thing about station to station offenses where you see the same thing, the same thing, the same thing. You're thinking Petras can't 
he can't do anything. But then they come up with a scheme play and and you don't expect it because you've seen possession upon possession upon possession of the same thing. And then all of a sudden, Nico Regani is wide open with a blown, blown coverage. That's that's what Michigan used to do in the old days. You didn't expect them to do stuff like that under Bo Schembechler. And then they would hit a big play on you because you were you were getting certain you're going to see the fastball. You're going to see the fastball. You're going to see the fastball. And suddenly the power pitcher throws you an off speed pitch in a, in a two two count and you're screwed. You know, I, I, I would hesitate to call that a blown coverage because I think that play design exploited. Penn State because there's the, this. I think it's the safety. I'm not sure. I, I want to say it was Jair Brown, but I don't no, know. Understood. Understood. Yeah. That was a toss back too. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was a play where he's got to make a difficult choice. He's got. He's got it. He's got. Look, they're doing it the whole the whole game, right? Everything's right. flowing one way. Everything's flowing one way. They set it up perfectly. Having said all that, Curtis Jacobs, who is going to be a star at Penn State now, too. You could see that almost ran that play down from like the line of scrimmage. How fast was he in this game? He clearly is comfortable now at that strong side linebacker position. Iowa never had an answer for him. This defense now has another player, Dave, to mess things up for an offense. I think this Penn State defense might have, I think it played, it was better than, I, I would say it even played better or close to the uh the Wisconsin game. It, it was that tremendous of an effort. I'm, it's unfortunate it, it was not a, a win for Penn State, but man, those guys played so hard and played so well. And you know what else? You didn't notice that much of a drop off between PJ Mustafer and Devon Ellis, who was yeah. in there most of the time. And they had a couple other guys. Hurt. In there. Also hurt. Right. And and Mustafer looked like he ain't coming back to me. I don't know. You get yeah. big guys like that with knees. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's not good. We haven't heard definitively, I don't believe, have we? No, we have not. <laughs> we have but, not. But, uh, but everything ain't, looked like that ain't good. But but Devon Ellis was terrific. I mean, yeah. he he played really well. So they've got depth at a lot of positions, especially that secondary. It's a it's a really good defense. I, I just feel like Penn State fans have to be frustrated. And I hear this over and over. And this is the, the kind of the way I felt after the game is like Iowa might have won, but you're celebrating and you didn't beat Penn State's best team at yeah. all without right. Clifford. Uh, you know, get your celebration in now because I just don't feel like Iowa's all that great a team. I don't. I mean, I, I don't. number two in the country has never looked so bad, Dave. It's no, never so I mean, bad. this is like it's, like it's like it's like South Florida in 2006 or whenever that was. Yeah. I'm like, come on, man. That's that's not the number two team in the country. This is the blue white breakdown. Welcome to Cure Leaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our 12 locations. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. Let's just look real quick at the second half schedule, what you see, what you think. I know the elephant in the room is going to be Sean Clifford's availability. We just don't know, uh, unfortunately, how long he's going to be out. But, you know, off the bye, they're going to host Illinois. Uh, They go to Ohio State. Then I believe they go to Maryland. Then they still have to play Michigan at home, Rutgers at home, and they close at Michigan State. Just based upon your just your gut, uh, the final six games, what do you see for Penn State? Well, the whole season is Columbus. 
as far as if they can win in Columbus somehow, if, if Clifford's in better shape than maybe uh, we believe. And we don't know what we believe because the problem is when you, when you, when you get an injury like that under there, when you, when you've been exposed, there's a little PTSD going on there because you don't want to get hit there again. Right. So I don't, even if he's able to come back, I don't know if he'll be as effective as he was because he was at a peak. He was at a pinnacle. And I think they win this game, as I said, with him. Uh, yeah. Illinois has been tenderized. They, they just got <laughs> chewed up. Yes. That was my, my counterculture third place pick in the West is not going to work out. <laughs> they, they, they lost a couple of games they could have won early. And now basically they're just meat. Uh, that that's that's not that it's so so take one Roberson I think can win that game on his own the question is if Clifford is available do you play him simply to get some work in uh, or do you go through it and just run read option with take one Roberson because that'll be good enough Maryland has also been tenderized by both Ohio State and Iowa and they don't look like the same team at all uh, so uh, that is not as scary a game as it used to look like. The one that is, is Michigan. Michigan is playing really well, and they run, won a really impressive road game at Nebraska, which I also picked to win four straight here. And Nebraska, damn them. I mean, they, they had it right there, and it looked like they were going to – What they do, Dave. It's what they do in tight It spot. is what they do. It is what they do. It looked like Adrian Martinez was going to drive him to the winning field goal, and everything would be good and well in Memorial Stadium. And, of course, he fumbled in a scrum that could have been whistled but wasn't by the Big Ten officials. Shark face lives. They are on a real roll here because they're running the ball, and they've got some, some wideouts who can really play. They've got two different kinds of running backs. They've got, they've got the, the big kid and they've got the the little guy, their little race car, who's really quick. And McNamara has never looked better as far as being in a groove with his receivers. I know it's annoying that J.J. McCarthy comes in on, on you know, on second and seven. And <laughs> but but I think they're doing the right thing, getting him work because they they might need him. He's really, really talented. So they they look like the most complete team in in the division right now, even maybe. Considering Ohio State, if Michigan's ever going to get it done and actually win the East, this is the year. So there's there's a lot of obstacles. Then even if they get through all this, you've got Michigan State on the road at the very end. And Michigan State's playing. They've got a really good offense that is full of weaponry, maybe the three best skill position players on one team, even including Ohio State uh, and Peyton Thorne, uh, Kenneth Walker. And actually, they've got a couple of different wideouts that you could put in there, but but they're they're, they're they just don't have the defense considering uh, what Michigan and Ohio State. Yeah. Ohio State's defense, I don't trust them yet. Michigan might be the most balanced team in the league. The way that college football is going right now, Dave, it's it's not just been this year; it's been the last couple of years. Other than outside of the the freaks that are the Georgia defense, and they are they are freaks. I, I think that the whole team might get drafted. They're so, they're so good, but the, for the rest of the for the rest of the country, it's <laughs> the team that can score the ball the most is usually the team that's going to be tough to beat. I think Ohio State, I have not seen enough of them, but with the talent level that they have, I think they can score better than anyone else in the Big Ten. And I think ultimately, I know you, I know their defense has some issues. I think they've tightened things up a little bit. That's going to be, I think, the storyline in the second half is can anyone in the Big Ten score 
with Ohio State. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but that's a tough with that Henderson kid now at running back. The quarterback's got they have a great offensive line. The quarterback's got a lot of weapons. He's a talented kid too. I just think that that is just I, even even if Sean Clifford's ready for that game, and as good as I just talked about Penn State's defense, I just think that man. You just, it's really, you just got to play a perfect game almost against that. Pen, that yeah, you, you could have, you could have, if, if Clifford had gotten through this game and they win by two touchdowns, then at least you figure, well, Penn State's got enough weaponry that they can score on Ohio State because Ohio State's back seven still has some issues. They, they're just so overwhelming on offense with Garrett Wilson and Chris Alave and CJ Stroud, their freshman quarterback has looked terrific. And he's just picking guys out and Travion Henderson. Holy crap. Yeah, yeah. is already the best back in the league. They've just got such weaponry that even Penn state's defense, but, but you would have given them a chance now with Clifford yeah. in question. I don't, I don't know, man. I yeah, just, it feels I to me like for Penn state in the second half, best case five and one, Four and two is is a possibility. I don't see them how whatever happens if Clifford can return for in a couple of weeks if he can. I don't see them losing to Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State. I think the defense will do enough to win at least one of those games if Clifford can return. I could certainly see five and one for sure. Then you're looking at ten and two. But you know we're we're, we're just talking we're just, we're taking shots in the dark here because we just don't know what what Sean Clifford looks like. Uh, but I just think Ohio State. You knew that they were going to get a little bit better after what happened in the Oregon game. I think they're there, but I I have not seen enough of them. Especially well, I'm, on the I'm, I'm not side. I'm not convinced about their defense because yeah. who did they play? They played right. Akron, Rutgers, and Maryland. Those are not high powered offenses that are going to going to challenge that defense. They're not going to face any high power offense, though. Well, uh, what I was saying was that that Michigan State is Michigan State's yeah. a really good offense, okay. man. Okay. Yeah, and, and they're but but they get them at home. I don't know. I don't. I, and Michigan State is in no way, shape, or form can stop them. That's the problem. Okay. Penn State, you could hope could slow them down, and then Penn State was the team I think that could get them, and maybe okay. Michigan, maybe Michigan at the end of the year, maybe this is Michigan's year. Uh, probably not, but Clifford's injury really puts everything in doubt to me. All right, Dave Jones, I'm going to wrap up this blue white breakdown podcast with one thought. I want you to tell me if you agree with me or not. I think what we learned after watching Penn state in Iowa is that if I'm James Franklin, I'm lobbying the state of Pennsylvania to sell beer at Beaver stadium (laughs) in the big games, because as great as that crowd is relatively sober, if you could get them to that Iowa level and there's 105,000 of them, I don't know that Penn State's ever going to lose. Am I right? <laughs> you just want beer in the press box. I think that's what you want. You have, that is the correct answer. <laughs> I, I, I thought I Kobayashi marooned you uh, and gave you a, 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 a scenario that you were never going to get to. The right answer. And the right answer is I just want to be able to drink beer in the press box. You nailed it. That's it for this edition of the Blue Blood <laughs> Breakdown. We're only going to do one this week. It's the bye week. I'm Bob Flanders. He's David Jones. You guys enjoy the rest of your bye week. We'll talk to you next week. See you guys. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live.